Hello, my name is Kristen Smith, and welcome to part two of season one, episode six. This episode is the second half of the candid dialogue about citational politics and Black women's knowledge production that the Black Graduate Students Association organized in collaboration with the LUTA Initiative at UC Berkeley on February 22nd, 2019. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to the first episode, please do. In this episode, part two, we pick up where we left off by hearing first from the co-founder of the Winnie Mandela School in Salvador, Bahia, Brazil, Dr. Andrea Beatriz dos Santos. For those that don't know, our t-shirt sales support the Winnie Mandela School. So the fact that Dr. Santos was at the Berkeley event and able to share in this conversation was truly historic to say the least. After we hear from Dr. Andrea, we will continue our conversation where we left off with an open dialogue between myself, Caleb Dawson, Ayana Flewellen, Derricka Hunt, Malaika Imhotep, Reagan Patterson, and the audience members. This event was such a treat. We are so happy to be able to bring it to you in its entirety. And in addition to this discussion, please read Caleb Dawson, Reagan Patterson, and Ayana Flewellen's guest blogs on our website, siteblackwomencollective.org. Thank you, as always, for listening. Okay, morning for everybody. Thank you for uh, coming here. Uh, first, I would like to say that English is not my first language. So sometimes I can speak a little, but I cannot understand. So, uh, and for a second, I'd like to say that I have to go out and I'm sorry because I have another uh, meeting, but I would like uh, to say that this project uh, is very important for us. I am Andrea Beatriz. I, won, uh, I am one of the co-founder of the Winnie Mandela School. Uh, Winnie Mandela School is a, a organization, is part of a organization uh, that uh, fight against the genocide of black people. Uh, the name of the organization is React or Die, in Portuguese, Reaja. And uh, uh, part of this fight against what we consider genocide of black people is organize our people. Organize kids, organize families, organize black people to understand that you need another kind of uh, education, another kind of uh, way to uh, reconnect with our history, our identity, our history in Africa, our history with the others, uh, black brothers and sisters. And the first step that we understand that is important is to put uh, kids together, black kids together, because we have in Brazil uh, a serious problem with the uh, public school. Uh, the public school are not good. They are not prepared to receive us. They treat us like uh, uh, dangerous people, like uh, people that cannot understand, that cannot learn. And all the time they put uh, uh, many names in, our, in, in us, uh, like uh, people that are not considered human inside their institutions. So I know that if you are black, you have the same experience here. Uh, doesn't matter what kind of job you have, doesn't matter what, uh, how much money do you have, doesn't matter if you are a judge or a teacher or a physician or a, a nurse or a people that are clean the streets, you are black. 
Because of this, we organize a school, a communitary school, and uh, uh, we have young people, young black people, for about 18 years until five, uh, 25 years, that they are the, prof the, the, the teachers in the school, they are studying in the university, sometimes they are not studying, they are working and they uh, uh, give some time to teach the other, uh, the, the black kids of our communities. We start the school uh, in 2016, after a march, international march against the genocide of black people. And uh, we start with 12 kids, 12 black kids, uh, girls and boys. And now we, are, we have uh, 27 uh, kids. And the, the, the uh, great question is that uh, we are not talking about this, that kids. We are talking about their families. So we have 27 kids, but we have, uh, uh, if you improve this, with each family have six or seven or ten people, uh, people you have 270 uh, people that we are responsible. E and I, uh, I am talking this because we, each one, each black people in the world, we believe that we are, we have to be responsible for another black people. We cannot believe that because I am a physician, I have a, a job in a good university, uh, my problem is finished. We have to understand that doesn't matter. If you uh, don't recognize that you are not alone, that you are part of a, uh, a people, in any time, uh, even that you are in a good car, uh, the state will say, hey, nigger, what are you doing here? Why are you in this university? So because of this, I think that's important. So uh, this uh, uh, statement, cite black woman, women, is important because we recognize that in our communities, the black women are the responsible for our lives, to defend our lives, to save our lives. It uh, uh, doesn't matter where you are. I know that each one of you have a good history about your lives with a black women. Maybe your grandmother, maybe your grand-grandmother, is right? <laughs> maybe uh, your sister. This is important. In, in this school, we discuss this. We have people that are our, our heroes, like Malcolm X, we talk about Asata Shakur, we talk about uh, Winnie Mandela, about Marx Garvey, black people that fight for uh, the black people. We talk about our history, we talk about love, we talk about love, uh, black love. So because of this, if you are buying a t-shirt, we are making this project possible. We are constructing, we are making stronger uh, black lives and black lives of boys and girls. So because of this, thank you. Thank you for the group. Um, another question that I have for y'all is how do you, how have y'all relied on black women's knowledge production? So I'm in the Department of African Diaspora Studies here at UC Berkeley. Um, in the sixth floor of Barrows or in Barrows Hall, 
Um, there's there's space dedicated to Bebe Clark. There's space dedicated to June Jordan. There's space dedicated to Barbara Christian. I've just been honored to walk in those legacies, to walk in that spirit. Um, and those are three people who I think articulated this understanding of what it means to do work that as Barbara Christian says, literally saves your own life. Like what I write and how I write is done to save my life. And I think just having that kind of at the core of my relationship to the Academy um, has been really, has really grounded me in a lot of ways. And I recently, or last year from January of whenever the year, for the past January, for the past year, um, I was doing or co-facilitating this study group called the Church of Black Feminist Thought. Um, and we started meeting at UC Berkeley and then we moved into this art gallery in downtown Oakland. Um, but the work, like what inspired me and my co-convener was, was thinking kind of at the provocation of something Catherine McKittrick said at the Black Geography Symposium here about the like life-giving power of citation. Like, what if we thought about citation as more than just kind of this burdensome task that we do at the end of a paper and more about survival, the survival of the people we're citing and our own. Um, so it became this labor of like saying that there's this body of black feminist literature, black women's writing, black women's cultural and, and intellectual production that has saved my life. Now, how do I create a forum where that, where that knowledge, those articles, those papers, those songs can be discussed in community, can be broken down into their basic parts, and we can just see what a group of, of committed folks bring to them. And it's like artists and activists and all different types of folks um, who are just there to, to, to break it down and to get into it. Um, and I think for me, I was doing that while I was preparing for my qualifying exams. And for a lot of people who were just kind of watching me move, they're like, you're doing a lot. Like, you sure you finna qualify? Like, are you? <laughs> I said that to you. <laughs> Everybody was like, like every month, really? Like, this is what you're doing? Don't you have an exam to take and some papers to write? Um, but I recognized that I would not have been able to walk into that exam room had I not been giving some of myself to that space. Mm -hmm. Not only was it clarifying some of the works for me, like we got into Horton Spillers, Mama's Baby, Papa's Maybe, and I was like, yes, I get something new. Um, but also just like having that space where I could talk about like black feminist thought in this life-giving way, where I could hear how it was landing in other people's bodies, um, gave me the strength to do all this other kind of soul-numbing work um, and like jump the hurdle of the qualifying exam. That's a hard thing to follow. Um, um, thank you, Malika. That honestly, I went to some of the Church of Black Feminist Thought and it was definitely life-giving. And I think when I think about um, the site Black Women shirt, and I remember seeing it and telling Caleb, I need that shirt. I want that shirt. Um, I didn't have one, so I wore my The Black Woman is God shirt for my proposal. Um, and I was kind of like, I need to make this statement and find ways. Because I think for me, what it's saying is like, acknowledge black women's humanity. I think underneath this refusal to cite us is also a refusal to see us, which is also contributes to um, kind of like permission to kill us. You know, it becomes a part of that act of genocide. And so when you kill our knowledge production, you kill us. Um, so I think that was always in the back of my mind. And I think the quick story I'll share for me, how I rely on black women's knowledge production, my dissertation is not about, about black women. And I think that's important to name because I was told by a few different professors, I can't cite black women for that dissertation. So the idea that black women can only write about black women's lives as if we have nothing else to contribute to the world. Um, and my dissertation is looking at, um, 
um, girlhood and gender in the third world and the relationship between that and development um, and education. And I was told, oh, well, you have to cite all these people who are talking about cosmopolitanism and all these things and how schools are so great in the developing world and education is going to save the third world girl. And I remember kind of saying, but no, this is not right. Something is really wrong with this, but I didn't know who to cite once again because I was told black women don't write about this. Um, and I think what I realized from that experience and like definitely the gathering of my sister friends who all held me during that time and like really pushed me to think differently about this was that black women's critiques of power and capitalism and global capitalism and neoliberalism and all the things that are killing us is a critique that can translate across every field, discipline, anything. It's not just limited to the lives of black women. And that gave me strength to go into my proposal and say, actually the foundation of this work is starting with Hortense Spillers, who gave me the language to even talk about how I can understand what the third world is and like who the third world girl is. So I think for me, it was like getting strength from those black women to say, the words are there for me and that we do have an entry point and it doesn't have to start in black studies and end there. In fact, that opens up and creates a rupture for us. So I'm grateful for that. Okay, I have one more question for y'all then we wanna open up for whoever wants to ha is moved to share to have the opportunity. Um, so another question, <laughs> another question that I have for y'all um, is, and I think this is a big part of what Cy Blackman is about. How have you um, refused the exploitation of your labor? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm still working on that. Um, still working on that. Um, but I think for me and my department, um, if I'm thinking about education, um, like one of my best friends here, um, Sarah Chase, she's an indigenous woman from the Hoopa Valley tribe. And we've spent a lot of time in conversation. And I've thought a lot about, I'm always thinking about black women, sight black women, my role as a black woman, the things black women have contributed. And I'll never forget one day she said to me, um, you know, Derka, you like have all these black women sister friends here. And she was like, Native students don't even get to come to Berkeley. Like we don't even, there's not even nothing to acknowledge this as a, as a lonely land. Like, and it was just like a moment where I kind of was able to recognize that while I've had these struggles, I also have a, some privilege as a black woman where we have the site black women t-shirt and then I see my indigenous sisters drowning and struggling and trying to get recognition and um, not being there. So she and I got together um, and we started writing papers together. We started just refusing all the things we were told. And I remember one of my position papers, I'm like, we're writing this collectively. And my advisor's like, people don't do that. Well, it's time to do something different um, because that's what we gotta do. And um, I remember citing her in my paper as my friend and also as a woman like I really respect and as an indigenous woman who's always bringing that to the forefront, but that responsibility shouldn't be on her. And so for me, um, kind of thinking about my labor as a black woman to use that labor in love to also uplift my other sisters who don't have the same access and opportunity and realizing that when we join collectively, then my labor is not in vain. Like, so to actually do that work with my sister feels like a labor of love that I want to do rather than being exploited by the university, which I have been, which is why I quit a whole lot of things. Um, and, but I feel like that love right there is what saves me. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind um, 
is thinking about what labors of love look like. Like, I think there's a way that, like, this project, it didn't help for tenure. You know, like, that's like, <laughs> like, I think, I think about these various sort of concrete ways that academia does and doesn't acknowledge um, your work. Like, I do a lot of community-engaged work, even like my work with the Society of Black Archaeology, like, that's, that's not going to get me a job. That's not going to get me ten. Like, there's a way that, like, there, like, there is a game to this. Um, so I think about, you know, in what ways coming into academic spaces we have to negotiate how we fit into those spaces. So I remember um, for when I, when I did a second campus visit and I was sitting down with a provost and I asked her, hey, I want to have funds to bring down students. Her first reply to me was, well, how much is it? She didn't think I'd come in with like an entire budget <laughs> for how to make this possible. Um, but I, lay, I, I laid that out. I laid out like what it is that I needed. I advocated for myself. I think that those particular moments um, are spaces where I've attempted to acknowledge, you know, all that comes with me and all the work that I'm going to be doing. Like I want to bring down students to my field site who wouldn't normally have the chance to. You're not going to do that unless I ask you for this money, you know, like, so I think about those sort of ways. Um, and also the acknowledgement of a lot of labor that's not like that, it's, it's not going to be recognized. Um, and I do, it, I do it for a community in that sort of sense. Like there's a way that like, um, I think, well maybe here's, maybe here's the point and then I'll pass the mic. <laughs> that um, I refuse to just be bottled into what academia will find value in and have chosen to do work outside of that and have chosen to value myself as a scholar, both inside and outside of the ac academia based on those standards, which are completely different than what my department, my college would want me to strive for. And I'm still going to, I'm still going to meet your goals, so. Um, what comes to mind for me, I guess, is um, remembering why I'm getting my PhD. And so for me, my advisor, he's good. He's tenured, he's good. <laughs> um, I need to be good with what I develop, produce, and put my name on. Um, and so for me, I guess the refusal comes in with what I say, thank you for that suggestion, but no. Um, what I compromise on and what I say, okay, I can do that. Um, and it took me a long time to get to this place. And I guess that took building confidence in myself as a researcher in a place that told me from years that I was doing illegitimate research. Um, um, it was a process of really trying to delegitimize me and my work. And so building that confidence to say, no, what I'm doing is valid and your limitations are not my limitations. And so now that I'm in this place, it's this refusal to say, oh, I am gonna include that citation because you want me to cite that. No, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, I literally just sent an email to my advisor like last week saying that. Um, um, and then also bringing in citations. Um, so I guess it kind of also connects to how do you rely on black women's knowledge production, bringing in citations that give me life to continue doing this work. So yes, I'll cite for all the environmentalists in the room, Dr. Beverly Wright, I'll cite Jackie Patterson. Um, I will tie that in because to me, that's like, okay, 
I'm doing something that when someone reads my dissertation, if they ever do, or someone reads the publication, I'm happy that my name is now on this work because, again, it's not about him. Mm -hmm. This is about me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and establishing when I graduate, when they see Dr. Reagan Patterson, who is going to be, a, what's going to be associated with that name. Um, and so it's, I guess, a refusal to just say, I'm here for you and to continue to do the work the way in which you've been doing it, which in engineering is a white male way of doing things. And I did not show up in this space as a black woman to do the work the way that you've been doing it and excluding me intentionally from. Um, yeah, I, um, I've been thinking about this a lot for the past 24 hours. But so we were in this writing group with friends, real intimate. And, and somebody's talking, this, uh, this scholar who is a black man is talking about this thing that he's getting ready to do. And then he randomly is like, oh, and inspired by what you shared last week, I'm about to talk about this thing that's not related to my work. And I was like, I see what you're trying to do and I think that's valid, but you might not want to just grab the words out of my mouth and put them in that paper because it actually does not make sense in that context. Like, you, there's something there for you, but, like, not what I said last week. And then he says, well, you need to publish so I can cite black women. And I was like, you know, in the way that we've been talking about, like, I will cite Derrica if she says something to me in a text message. But he doesn't play that game. So he will say what I said. Or, and I'm, I'm making some assumptions, but that's, like, the, the heat of what I felt in my body was yeah. like, oh, I see how this works. Like, yeah. I give, there's something, there's a way that I show up this, this giving naturally. Like, I do a lot of work. My work's about black women's labor. I think it's part of my inheritance at this point. Um, but I recognize that I need to be clear for myself and for the folks that I'm in community with about how I expect them to hold the things that I give them. It's like, yeah, we're, we're learning together, and I'm, we we falling into brilliance. Awesome. Use it. But I don't care if I have not graduated yet or if it's not in a publication you respect. Tell them I said it. Put it in a footnote. Don't pretend like that, because you wouldn't do that to a white male scholar. You wouldn't do it even just out of fear that he might catch you. So, like, don't do it to me. Even, like, interpersonally. And so, like, this, and it's like, it felt like in the moment, I was, it's like joking. I'm like, you better tell them I said it. Like, I better get a footnote. Like, and I, but it's like, no, but actually, actually, like, how do, like, how do we, as people who kind of, like, have this like anti-capitalist, like, I don't invest in private property. I don't know if I believe in intellectual property, whatever. But also, if you're playing this game and you are using this to make yourself sound better, then I need you to be real and let people know that even that these, this new part of your work came out of this collective conversation. You know, there are ways to creatively gesture towards other people's voices in your work, which is something I'm really invested in and I think is a black feminist practice, like polyvocal vocality um but it's like that's these people don't be doing that all the time and it's like i'm learning that i have to enunciate like okay i'm in this group with you and i expect that anything that you fall into out of this union gets named um, yes please um we want to pass around the mic to anyone who feels moved to share reflection or their take, their experience, um, to give shout outs because we have some brilliant folk out here. Hi, my name is Nasina. I'm an undergraduate, so I just want to say thank you to you guys um, for bringing this to my knowledge, something that I'm not experiencing yet, but can look 
too and like okay this is a challenge I'm probably gonna go through because I do want to go and maybe pursue a graduate program of some sort especially in the STEM field and I, I feel you right now like um, just like studying CS and like um, you know our professor he tries to bring in every week about what's going on in like the STEM world and how like they're trying to like change education but I never see women of color like at all brought up and he's brought in one woman the whole time and it was a white woman which is fine because he's brought in a woman one woman in her <laughs> you know what she's done or created or helped towards but like I I read articles I'm like there's so many black people who contribute you know to um just things that we use today like even just social media apps you never know like so many black um um, software engineering. But I just want to say thank you. Um, this is the first time I've heard about Sight Black Women, so I was very excited to attend this event and to learn about like what you are doing. I, I very much appreciate it, and it, it's making me aware of like issues that I should be knowledgeable about. And also some conversations when I go home this weekend and visit my parents to just like remind my mom of some things that happened to her in the past that she never really, you know, faced it like there's things that my mother's done and have you know people have burned her and not given her the recognition she deserves and I felt that and I was like over here like well I'm gonna tell my mom she needs to email that person because it is not okay you know like, you know she's contributing something I just remember like to you know this is only my second year at Cal but just like my first year and second year and thinking from middle school all the way till you know the age of being 20 I think about moments I've silenced myself um, just because I didn't I didn't I didn't know if it was okay for me to be right you know right no it, it's it's a it's a weird thing but I didn't know like someone I would say an answer and someone would get the answer from me and I you know got that answer on my own but no one would say oh I, I got it from Nasina Nasina helped me on this problem oh I figured this out I'm like you know, and like just using anyone, any name, and then there's like this boy Connor, like saying he got the answer, and I'm like, I helped Connor. <laughs> like, what do you mean? So um, things like that, like make me aware. Like, I'm not, I don't think, I'm not angry or anything, but I'm just happy that I'm aware of it, and I, I, I do feel like it's something that um, young black women that they're going to struggle with, and they don't even know it's a problem. You know, this is something that I've ignored, but now that I'm thinking, I've I've had these issues, and I'm not, you know, a scholar. Well, I'm a scholar, but I'm not a scholar like in the sense where you guys are at yet. But I know that like, I'm going to continue to face that, and I definitely want to start thinking towards um, a remedy. <laughs> He, he's my he's my graduate student instructor. <laughs> so <laughs> towards this problem, okay. Um, so just thank you um, for entering this space and sharing that with us and just making this aware because I didn't know it was an issue that every black woman is probably facing and every woman is probably facing. So thank you for that and I'm just I feel really blessed to be here and be able to hear these conversations. Yeah. And can I piggyback off of just what she said? Um, two things, just briefly. Um, the awareness, particularly in the STEM fields. Like when we go to lab meetings or like lab um, trainings, like in undergrad, there's a lot of research programs and you go to lab group and they teach you how to read literature, but never do they say who wrote it. 
who are they, where are they from, what's their positionality, never. And so when you talk about awareness, I wasn't even like conscious of it until I came across the hashtag on Twitter myself. And so I've been intentional about citing black people in general, um, let alone black women. And it literally was because of the hashtag. So I actually have a note that I wrote right after I saw that cite black women. And that's kind of, that's been motivating me, but it's, it is an institutional problem, especially in the STEM fields where it literally is just find the relevant literature. That's the goal, find the relevant literature and not a critique of the author of that literature. Um, and then going back to the exploitation of black women labor, this university, especially in STEM, stays bringing black women to give a talk about diversity in STEM. I don't know how many be just the Black Right Engineering and Science Student Association events we've had, but we had a black woman from this school. We paying goo gobs the money. I'm like, I mean, we know the answer. That could have been a four-year scholarship between all them speakers that could have brought another black undergrad to the STEM field. But y'all just here paying her for her um, one-day, two-hour appearance. But, but you could have funded all four years of the student being at the academy. And so talk about, we're supposed to be the savior where they got their photo op with Dr. So-and-so and then all the black people in the back because we on the plantation too, like. <laughs> we got a black woman speaker. But then you look at the statistics of STEM, did the number go up? Did the percentage go up? Is it still just my black ass in the room? <laughs> And ain't no other people that look like me in the room. So what did you just do? But then the school too broke, right? <laughs> to then provide additional scholarships. <laughs> and it might be problematic to say, but then we are too broke to go to Oakland and get some black kids, but we can go across the seas to other countries send the entire athletic team and department in order for UC recruitment, but they don't go to Latin America or Africa. What countries are they going to? So it's the whole problem about exploitation because you'll send, fly a woman and a sister out here, but you won't fund us nor recruit us and then support us to matriculate. So that's just what I wanted to say. <laughs> Sorry, y'all, I was trying to hold that part of me back, but it came out, it came out of, Wow, um, I just appreciate all of you for being here. Y'all are fire, purifying all of the mess around you, making diamonds follow you everywhere. Um, so I just want to acknowledge your majesty and the ways that you are blessing this campus. They do not deserve you. And I lament that we live in a white supremacist, patriarchal, you know, oppressive society that makes it that the folks around us in these institutions are unable to receive our majesty. Um, and so I just really appreciate y'all. Um, a thought that I had um, recently, we all know that it is the, um, the Lord's Black History Month and Black History Month is about to continue because Women's History Month, Black women are women, so. <laughs> <laughs> Black History Month is two months. <laughs> um, um, I, so I am a recent Cal alum. I made it out um, May 2018. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, like, I mean, I did it, you know, praise the Lord, but the mainstream capitalist patriarchy is a lot. So I just got my first job in San Francisco and they're doing, we're doing our Black History Month programming. And one of the things that I just, um, that I learned was that it was um, a Black woman who invented the, um, the, like the the components for um, modern day heating in homes. So when I learned that, like, and I turned on my heater in my cold room because <laughs> the Bay Area, you know, the global warming. I'm just, um, you know, it's like wow, like I am being warned by a black woman's labor, you know, and I am sad and angry that. Our society has robbed me of this knowledge until the 23rd year of my life. Um, so I am here for um, the importance of citing black women because it actually gives me um, a platform to rehumanize myself, right? And understand that like black women do contribute to the society and to reject the lie that only white people made everything, right? Um, and so I feel more liberated, you know, when I'm able to call out when someone has an, uh, an unknown uh, quote, you know, that I know is from Queen Maya Angelou, you know, or, <laughs> you know, and just to be able to use that as a learning opportunity to awaken people to their active anti-blackness, right? And say, oh, hey, like, it's that little mark of erasure Right? You can't say you're all about black lives when you let that slide. You have work to do. But yeah, I just appreciate y'all. We're going to have this be one of the closing ones, and then I'm going to let us go because we should eat and uh, get the rest of this and, uh, symposium. Um, yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for your work on this and for presenting this panel. This is very helpful for me. Um, and I. I feel like I was just very interested to hear the phrase or phrase something like the life-giving power of citation. And I have never considered it to be this way. And I um, am very interested to shift into that mindset and to understand a little bit more about what it brings and what it creates and what it adds um, when you cite someone. And I feel like your example um, actually just helped me kind of feel that a little bit, that now that you know who you can appreciate in that work is someone who has an experience that you share, that it um, it adds to your appreciation of the thing. Um, and I don't know, just, yeah, just riffing a little bit, but if anyone wanted to say anything, if there's time um, to add to that thought, I'm very curious. I could say one thing. I think also I was thinking about, cause I have these three babies right here. Um, and I was thinking about how with citing black women, it's important because I think about like Nashira and her experiences being the only black girl in her class. Mm -hmm. And we talk about this every single day. So, and it was to the point where we'll go to the class, there's no black books. So I said, well, take your own black books. Mm -hmm. There are books about black girls and we take them to the school. So I think 
that translates to our academic work and then it becomes praxis in how our children get to live and exist. They have to go to school, unfortunately, and it's a violent place, but because black women are being cited and there's work being produced by black women and it's being bought, then it exists for our babies to be able to have, to find life in the places that try to kill them. And so now she be going with a backpack full of black girl books <laughs> and, and then black girl magic shirts. And I mean, I know that those don't change everything, but I think it gives you a different, don't be embarrassed, it's okay. It gives you a different um, kind of way, the way she walks to school now, whereas before she was slumped down. So I think there's something about that sight black women that gives us life in that way. Thank you. And what was your name again? Chica. Chica. And Brittany and? Uh, Nasino. Nasino. Okay, great. Give you. I just want to say something really, really quickly because I know we don't have a lot of time and everybody's hungry. This is about rediscovering ourselves. It's about discovering who you are and it's also about discovering other people's beauty and their and their brilliance and their their wonderfulness. And I, you know, I'm somebody who's been reading and 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 studying black feminism for a long time, <laughs> at, at least since my freshman year in college, right? But I've learned so much just in the few, in the year we've been doing this project as an associate professor. That means there's so much to learn. There's so much. And so I think that's what that means, right? It's like, it's soul filling and it can be really beautiful and it can be a light in these dark places like graduate school. Thank you, Professor Christian Smith. Thank you, Derricka. Thank you, Ramalaika. Thank you, Dr. Ayana. Thank you, Reagan. Thanks to all of you for being here. Um, please, again, consider buying a shirt to support um, Winnie Mandela School in Bahias. Um, and then also, um, one of the challenges that I really like about the website, when you go there, I was like, part of, part of me was going to the website to find all the black women. I'm like, who do I need to be signed? Let me look this, like, let me go there. And um, one of the reminders on the website is like, to do our own work to find the black women and not relying on black women to, to do that labor for us. Um, so I wanna encourage all of us to do our homework and uh, to find the labor that they've already done to recognize that and not demand more labor for them to share the labor they've already done, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but with that, thank you so much. Remember, it's simple, side black women. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sight Black Women. Follow us at Sight Black Women on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and our new website, www.sightblackwomencollective.org. And remember, it's simple. Sight Black Women. We theorize, we produce, we revolutionize the world. 